0: All right, everybody. Welcome to Crossover Thursday. It is time to do some AFC North Division talk. It's rivalry time. It's Steelers-Browns week. I'm Chris Carter from the Locked On Steelers podcast here with my guy, Jeff Lloyd, from the Locked On Browns podcast. And we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, But before we do, we got to talk about our great sponsor, Pepsi. Pepsi, as you know, this is the se- This football season has been different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a, b- a member of the League of Football Watchers. The- these passionate fans are the real generation of talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. But Jeff, my guy, it's been a minute. I'm glad to be on a show with you again, my friend.
1: It's uh, – look, I mean, Chris, this is – you know, and for, for anybody, we, we were talking off camera. Um, look, I mean, you got three teams in this division playing some really, really good ball right now with Baltimore, with Pittsburgh, obviously undefeated and sitting in first place. You know, maybe we'll see if they could have been 4-1 and one as well if, you know, that Tennessee game and, all oh, Tennessee, stop with yourself, this national crisis. God, maybe if you all paid attention, you wouldn't have gone through what you went through down there in Tennessee. But this is really exciting. And when you say rivalry, look, it's always been a rivalry. But the problem with things being a rivalry is somebody was getting their doors blown out for a long, long time. Um, we'll see whether or not this has gotten a little bit different now. We'll see if things are a little bit closer here. And for the Browns, this is probably the right time for this test here. Four in a row, you know, feeling the flow, so to speak, of four and one you see where you're at. Um, and look, you're going to get another go around later in the season. And it's not, you know, for everybody Browns wise, it's not a finished product yet um, with the amount of limitations that were on the off season, of course, no preseason. And it goes for everybody. It goes for every team in the NFL being handicapped that way. So, you, you know, you're going to take the good, take the bad, and you try to improve week in, week out, put it four and one. You got a key match up here. And like my man, Chris said, before we hit the record button, there's been some talk either way about these teams and the success they've had. And Chris made a great point. Whatever you say about either of these franchises, somebody's walking away on Sunday with a W against a team that's already got four wins. Yeah. So let's take that walk, that talk, kick it out of here. This is a big matchup either way. Steelers could be just in the pole position with five, at five and zero uh, with a game coming up against a Dallas. With Dallas eventually, that doesn't look nearly as difficult as it did. You know, before Dak's injury, you know, the Browns were lucky to get that one because everyone else in the division is going to get probably get an easier one off of that. But it's fun, man. Cleveland's playing some good ball. They're kind of clicking on all cylinders. There's some things that certainly could be better. But you look at this roster from top to bottom, everybody's finding a way to contribute, Chris. And I'm enjoying the ride. I can't lie, man. I'm really enjoying the ride. Well,
0: speaking of, of, of contributing, I wanted to talk to you because right about about the defense. Because right now, the the, the Browns lead the NFL with twelve forced turnovers. That's got to be a great sign for what they've been able to do. Uh, B.J. Goodson's got an interception. Carl Joseph's got an interception. Malcolm Smith, Denzel Ward, and it seems to be coming from you know different places all around. Carl Joseph also has forced a fumble. Um, what's your take on? What the Brown, how the Browns have been able to be opportunistic in their first five games?
1: Um, look, I mean, the, de- the defense isn't there yet. I would say the defensive line, we're loving what we're seeing. Um, and there's been weeks where they haven't had all of their edge rushers. You know, Claiborne's missed a little time. Olivia Vernon, yes, everybody I know, Olivia Vernon's missed a little time. Yeah. Porter Gustin's stepped up, played. Sheldon Richardson has been fantastic. Larry Ogunjobi, who returned to practice today, missed last week. He's looked really, really well, really good as well. Um, But you get to that back seven. Uh, The linebacking group, look, it's not great. Malcolm Smith is certainly something where I think everybody's a little surprised. I mean, you think about a 31-year-old veteran that you sign in August, even though he's had, yeah, former Super Bowl MVP, even though he's had some nice moments in this league, he showed up well as far as what was good for him in his career. You know, if there's a guy in his own, if there's a guy he's in charge of covering, he can still get it done in that respect, and that's been a plus for them. The rest of the linebacking core, you know, B.J. Goodson, you know, uh, those turnovers have been more opportunistic. Taki Taki last week played in a limited, more limited role where he played, I believe it was between, I think it was 17, 18 snaps, but played well. Um, you have to understand maybe he can't really cover well, but he also has the intelligence and the physicality where it's like, if you're not really sure what your assignment is, Sione, just go blow somebody up. Just knock somebody down, and he can do that. Uh, They could be limited this week. Jacob Phillips came back uh, for the Dallas game, was back last week uh, for uh, the game against the Colts. Played well, Um, smart player, instinctive, but left the game, and maybe he might not be available, did not practice today. We'll see on that. Mac Wilson, there were a lot of high hopes for what would be year two. Got hurt in the summer. It's just not there yet physically. He's out there. Um, but we are not seeing him run free there's a difference obviously as everybody knows between being able to play and being healthy and i don't think Mack Wilson is there yet the secondary the problem is and there's you know there's been blown coverages there's been missed assignments but chris week in week out it's a whole different cast of characters so it's really hard to have communication between players that just really aren't familiar with each other yet. We screamed to get more of Ronnie Harrison. The only reason we did is because Carl Joseph didn't play last week. Guess what? Ronnie Harrison played really, really well. We all wondered why Sheldrick Redwine hadn't been playing. The only reason Sheldrick Redwine got to play last week is because Ronnie Harrison went out, but came in and played really well in the 19 snaps he took. Both had interceptions. Obviously, Ronnie Harrison had the pick six for the touchdown. Denzel Ward's been the constant. Terrence Mitchell is the same Terrence Mitchell that's been here with the Browns as a cornerback. Number two, he's feisty. He's handsy. He's physical. He's not the greatest athlete in the world, but his length helps him at the position. They've been the constant in the secondary. Everything else has been a revolving door. Andrew Sandejo and a lot of fans want to get on him. Um, You're not asking a 33 year old man to be a free safety in the NFL. It's just never who Andrew Sandejo was. And he doesn't have the athletic ability, but with all these shortcomings, the turnovers have been happening. And that's what's masked a lot of the deficiencies on this defense. But the thing is, now you're playing a team more established. Is this going to happen? And to say, you know, for the defense to you know, provide through turnovers, it, it gets a little helter-skelter. I mean, that's not going to happen week in, week out. But it's been good, and obviously it's put them in some fortunate situations to be sitting here at four and one going into week six. I think,
0: yeah, the, the turnovers always mask a lot of other issues, um, and, and they help teams move forward and, and, and capitalize on mistakes and get the offense back out there. But I wanted to talk to you about this offense before we threw it to our first break because Baker Mayfield is, this year, he's got nine touchdown passes, four interceptions, he's been sacked seven times. But, you know, The team's missing Nick Chubb, but you still got Kareem Hunt, who has six touchdowns on the year um, and is a threat either way. What is the driving force that's made this offense go early on in the season? Because I, I, look, I look at their numbers and I'm, and I'm seeing like, okay, like, you know, they're, they're fourth in, in, points, in points scored, but, you know, in the, in the ground game, they're number one on the ground and they're their they're wrecking pants game. Is, it, is, the, is the, the rushing attack really what makes everything go here or is there some hidden element that you think is developing where Baker Mayfield is going to become a, a, a more prominent passer
1: for the team? The engine that makes this offensive go, there's no doubt about it, is the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Um, They are literally doing what they want. And the fact that it has come together so quickly is – and I think everybody kind of felt, you know, look, I mean, you signed Jack Conklin. You spent the 10th overall pick on Jedrick Wills. uh, And part of the reason you made these selections and that free agent signing is because a team like Pittsburgh has bookends that are just – make a Sunday a mess if you don't know what you're doing. But they have just been so consistent in what they do. And former Steeler Chris Hubbard, um, it was weird because everybody just assumed Chris Hubbard was not going to be a part of the twenty twenty Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. They got together, they lowered a cap number. Chris Hubbard was good with it. Uh, started Thursday night football against the Bengals, played really, really well. Uh, Wyatt Teller went out early. Wyatt Teller has been outstanding. Um, I don't, you know, they've already described it as week to week, which makes me think he will not be a part of this contest, which makes Chris Hubbard your right guard. Chris Hubbard, had even said after the game on Sunday, uh, I think I got one rep at right guard this week in practice, but he went in there, got the job done and did it, did it really well. And I think this is what happens when you have such a functional group of guys that are really, really good. If you're missing one, it's not that bad of a deal. I mean, if you only have maybe two good offensive linemen and you're missing one of those guys, all of a sudden things go off the track, but they have been opening huge holes. I mean, the Colts, they play good defense. That offense, oof, I don't even want to get into that. Not very good. But they played good defense. And they went, kept going at it, kept going at it. And then everybody stepped up. Rashard Higgins with a key block. You know, Got Ernest Johnson to 28 yards. Sealed that game. The offensive line, and it, it's done everything. And for Baker, the issue has been, and this is where it happens, and quarterback is always magnified more than any other position. You can have a great game going as a quarterback, one throw one bad read, and all of a sudden it doesn't look like that great of a game. They don't need him to do a ton. I think they're going to need him to do a little bit more this week to pull off a game like this against a team like the Steelers. You're going to need a consistent consistent 60 minutes, and this might be the issue here. You can't have that one bad ball against a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They need 60 minutes from Baker Mayfield. Um, he's been getting the time. Uh, he's There's so many weapons that he's got. But I think he just needs to go back to what made him successful as a rookie where it doesn't matter. That guy's open, throw him the ball. It doesn't matter if it's number 13 or it's 80. Who the guy is, throw it to the open man. Defenses can't cover everybody. That's one of the biggest keys to this. And I think that's one thing that he has just gotten away from, which made him the player he was in 2018 and was so hyped as a rookie, and which is leading to the issues where he's at now. I I think a lot more. Go ahead, Chris.
0: No, I think I do think that that, that's something that he has to get back to is is not forcing the balls at people, but but understood by understanding what defensive concepts he's facing and taking what's there. Um, because that's you know that that's that that's how you become a, a more efficient quarterback. And and they don't, and like you said, they have a great offensive line right now. They're playing, they're playing phenomenal. You don't need that you don't need your quarterback to you know become a gunslinger you need to just play within yourself and let that offensive line be as good as it is um my, my last thing here before break on baker mayfield you know i saw a huge back and forth meet uh, social media everything over the fact that baker mayfield last week he, he tied ben roethlisberger as the guy who has the most wins at first energy stadium um there, there was a big hoopla by social media about this, but it just—I—I I, I have to think that the Browns team doesn't—they can't afford to care about these types of things anymore, uh, because you know, in years past, Baker Mayfield—he's the guy that you know that, that went after Colin Coward. I mean, and, and even this summer, he would like things on Twitter that radio hosts would say and not even tag him on. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Just stay focused, do your job. Like, you got talent. You got—you got the chance to be great this year. And you know sometimes it seems that like a focus is there. What did you what have you seen out of this group going through these these first uh, these first four wins
1: over five games? I think look, any professional athlete, there's always, and this is probably just different because of the era that we live in now. Um, some you know there's some that just focus too much on it. Um, and it shouldn't be, but in the same thing, you know, there's still that sense of pride. And if somebody's saying yeah. something about you, like, I get it. It's like such a two way street with this, you know, and I say this stuff at the same time when somebody, you know, drops something in one of my ads and I'm already there to jump on him myself. Um, but what I see is it's just the thing, Chris is everything seems uniform within this franchise as far as practice games, whether it's Paul D Podesta, whether it's Andrew Berry whether it's Coach Stefanski, whether it's the play, players themselves. And they've given, you know, the front office, they've given these players, you know, and a lot of this has gone on with, you know, every team as far as, you know, hey, go out there, you want to fight for social justice, we got your back. Um, so you're giving players a little bit of a freedom, you know, to speak sometimes. But that stuff, I mean, and look, I mean, we get it. Yeah, the Browns stunk for a while. It's really weird that the stadium has been open, open so long. And Ben Roethlisberger has the most wins there. Um, But it's nothing to truly get caught up in. Um, If it shows you anything, it shows you that maybe the progress is finally there for the Browns, and especially at the quarterback position. Uh, you You know, and there's still the, we call it the cryptic tweeting. You know, Odell does it, Jarvis does it. Like there's like 10, 12 whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, posts in a row, and you're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And everybody gets so bent out of shape. by Who cares? I mean, I mean, you know, unless I hear somebody, you know, somebody saying, oh, you know, you pray for me as I go for an MRI. You just got to avoid that stuff. But, you know, look, fans are going to do it. People live through social media. It's probably not helping things that we don't have our normal lives right now due to, you know, COVID and all this. It, but, yes, I mean, it's a great thing for Baker Mayfield. Um, but let's talk about Baker, Baker Mayfield getting, you know, 50 wins in first energy. Let's not talk about the fact that he's, you know, now surpassed a guy who's visited the stadium. Well, you know, tied tie, you still got to surpass it,
0: but, but yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, even tied. yes. <laughs> but, hey, uh, that's great points by there. But, Jeff, let people know about our great sponsor of Pepsi.
1: Of course, of course. We'll flip it up here in a second as we're going through your Crossover Thursday on the Locked On. Podcast Network, Jeff Floyd, Lockdown Browns, Mr. Chris Carter of Lockdown Steelers. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Look, for me, the last few weeks, a little caffeine right before kickoff. Pepsi's been clutch as I've been able to watch the Browns. Obviously, on a nice, nice run here over five weeks being four and one. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. As we continue through here on your crossover Thursday, on the Locked On Podcast Network, Jeff Lloyd and Mr. Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. Chris, first thing I want to get to. um, This is where I think the Steelers may be a little bit more different slash dangerous on the offensive side of the ball in years past. The offensive side of the ball, it's, you know, uh, with the running game, with the tight ends, with the wide receivers, and we were talking about this a little earlier before we hit the record button, there's no set way this is truly going to work if you're putting a game plan out defensively week in, week out. Um, we saw Chase Claypool. All of a sudden, you know, they just took him and turned him into basically this bananas athlete on Sunday against the Eagles. That worked out. There's been juju weeks. Uh, John Connor, there was a Benny Snell week, week one against the New York Giants. It's the it's teethy lineup as far as skill position players, and it's really hard as far as game planning uh, other than to say, well, hopefully we can get the quarterback down a lot because it's really, really hard to come up with a game plan as how are you going to stop this offense because – and it's not – like I'm not disrespecting anyone as far as, you know, throwing out stars, you know, that type of thing. Like the Browns, what do you say? Well, take away Odell. The Steelers, I mean, you don't know which way you're going to do it, but it doesn't mean – anybody else is less equally important. That's the thing.
0: Randy Feigner's offense is developing – it seems like it's finally finding a balance for Ben Roethlisberger. Like you said, there's no just looking to Antonio Brown and just feeding him the football. For, for a comparison, to see the difference that it is right now. 2017, the last time the Steelers had Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell for a full season. At the end of the year, passing-wise, Antonio Brown had 163 targets. Le'Veon Bell had 106 the next closest wide receiver was Martavis Bryant with 84. Antonio Brown was close to having twice as many targets as the next receiver. This time around, it's it, it's it's very it's very different because you look you look at the top at the top of the numbers and Deontay Johnson, who missed who missed most of the, the last two games due to injuries, he leads the team with 26 targets. Juju Smith-Schuster right behind him with 24. Both Claypool and Eric Ebron have 20. James Washington, 19, James Conner, 14. It's much more proportionate to say, hey, you'd have to cover all these different options. And every single game, the Steelers have had a different person lead the team in receiving yards. And meanwhile, also, in three of their, th- three of their past four games, they've had they've, they've a had 100-yard 100, uh, 100 rusher in the game, whether it was Benny Snell in week one or James Conner in weeks two and three. And James Conner's had uh, a rushing touchdown in the last three of his performances. They're finding the balance. And that's what Randy Featon is trying to establish with the team. And it's not easy, but this was part of what I was saying that he was trying to get over to Ben Roethlisberger two years ago when the Steelers had the best red zone offense in all of football. And now it's, we're seeing Ben Roethlisberger after having a year to, to watch the game and see it from a third perspective on the sideline and see, oh, that's what I need to do. This is how I should approach things. And, and we're seeing a much different Ben Roethlisberger. Ten touchdowns, one interception. He's not forcing the ball to one guy. He's not saying, hey, I'm in trouble. Let me go, get, let me go to Antonio Brown. He seems to understand where defense's weaknesses are. He's finding them in the game. The last touchdown he threw to Chase Claypool, you can see him stare at the safety, look to Juju. The safety goes to Juju, and he hits Claypool over the middle. They are using their weapons all over the place, and that has been what has generated the most success for this offense. And I'd say this offense, I think they're still touching the tip of the iceberg of where they can be as a unit.
1: You know, I, I agree, and it, it's very similar to Cleveland when you have this great amount of depth at the skill positions, and everybody can do a little something. You're foolish not to use them all and at least start them off where they're comfortable and what they can do. I'm going to ask you to do this here, Chris. Sure. I want you to scout this Steelers D. Um, now look, you know that game, and I was watching it for a bit on Sunday against Philly. That game looked cold and on ice, and all of a sudden Philly found a second life and made it like close there for a little bit for would we to put up some points. And, you know, uh, you know, that Philly offense, you know, obviously missing some, you know, some key parts, but still not there. Um, we know about why um, we know about Bud Dupree and um, Hey, what did you know? And maybe play Vince Williams more over Mark Barron in 2019. So they went back to that route. And what do you know? The guy who played, you know, made plays for you for years. All of a sudden, still get it done. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Let me ask you this, Chris. You look at it take yourself removed from the Steelers standpoint. What do you think can be done to expose this Steelers D other than making sure your quarterback doesn't die because 48 and 90 don't kill him? Where on this defense do you think there's maybe a flaw, maybe a weakness that can be exposed by any offense playing the Pittsburgh Steelers? Two things. First,
0: and one, this will seem underhanded, but it's just the reality we're in this year. Hold, because a lot of teams, I mean, just just blatant holding that we've seen from, from week to week. There, was, there were several plays last holding week. Holding
1: and false starts, absolutely.
0: It, they're it, not called. It's, it's insane how they're not called. Last week, Lane Johnson for the Eagles. There's a play where T.J. Watt beats him to the inside, and he legitimately bear-hugged him. Like On the, on the replay, you could see his arms around T.J. Watt's front. And, and like and he's like, he's literally hugging me. Like there's nothing, there's this, there's nothing else that you need to say about holding here. And it wasn't getting called. The Steelers have had one holding call against them. If I'm if I'm an offensive line going into this week, I'm telling my guys, hey, get aggressive. Do what you gotta do. If they don't call it, if they start calling it, we'll adjust to that. But see what you can get away with. Um, and that would just be smart football moving forward. But if you want to talk about like how do you attack the defense, you still have to pick at the cornerbacks. People look at the fact that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't have a pass defense or an interception and they say, aha, see, he isn't the superstar that 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 you thought he was last year. Well, not exactly because he's only been targeted 10 times. <laughs> and on those 10 targets, I think he's given up seven receptions for like 90 some yards. I mean, that's an average of you're getting 20 yards off of him a game. Like you're not, you're not doing, you're not doing that much there. And, uh, and, and it's because teams have stayed away from him where the team, where teams have got had success in throwing the ball is they picked that, Hey, you know what? They might not be ready for this route combination. Joe Hayden might give us a cushion over here, or we might be able to win a jump ball with Mike Hilton over there. Or Stephen Nelson—he's he hasn't been the sharpest this year, even though he did have two interceptions last week. You know, maybe we could pick on him with this with this corner route here. That's where that's where Carson Wentz started to find his success last week. Um, there were several great throws on his part. He reminded everyone why he you know used to be an MVP candidate back before he got hurt in uh, 2017 and uh, or 28th, whenever that year was. But he, he made several great throws that showed like, hey, the Steelers are still tightening up what they need to do in the secondary. But I wouldn't take that as an example of the Steelers – secondary being weak per se I think they're just still they're getting back into the groove of what their chemistry is and how to help out each other and who to who to provide support for and how to disguise what they're doing they're still figuring things out Terrell Edmonds I think has improved this year as a strong safety he's helping more against the run he's helping more against tight ends I really like what he's being able to do there and I want to see how how this this defense continues to coalesce around each other so Keep an eye out for that, but I would go after again the, the cornerbacks, the and the, the underneath attack, and just let Baker Mayfield be consistent with the football. And if the if the big shots there, take it. But keep the you know, keep you know, I'd say avoid those big shots against Mink Fitzpatrick, keep picking at Hayden and Nelson down the sideline. You've got two really good receivers.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about that. Now, Christopher, take it one more th- thing from the defensive side of the ball. You're viewing this. You're looking at this Cleveland offense. You know the offensive line has been strong, and we'll see. That's, I, I honestly think either way, this is going to be the key of this game is how the Pittsburgh O-line handles the Cleveland D-line, how the Cleveland O-line handles the Pittsburgh D-line. That's probably where this game is going to be won or lost, in my opinion. But you look at this as, you know, looking from a defensive mind, what do you do? Um, you know, there's Odell. Kareem has been performing well. You've got tight ends, and this is the funniest thing: is as much as these tight end group has been talked about, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, even Harrison Bryant, they've never really. There's never been this tight end week with the potential of that group. You figured one week there's going to be a, a three guys. You know that, that's how good. That's what they really think they have the potential of. We haven't seen that yet. You know, Jarvis is and Jarvis is just what he is. He's like Novocaine. It's, you know, I mean, just mm, 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 keeps getting at you and finding ways to, you know, just enough to aggravate you, numb you. But what do you do? I mean, is there anything you try to take away or you just try to do your best to put yourself in position to play some zone coverage where you're not giving up, you know, 50 yards? If you give up a 10-play, 65-yard drive, you live with it. Or is it just trying to? Are you really trying to take one thing away?
0: I, I think the Steelers still come out with a sense of, "Hey, you got to stop the run before anything else." Um, the defensive front has been really good this year at, at doing that, and, and I've been saying this all week on different shows. This is the, unstop, the unstoppable uh, force meeting the immovable object because one hundred percent. But the Browns, the Browns running game. Is the best the best in the league at, at at gaining yards right now? They they rank number one in yards. They rank number two in yards per attempt. The Steelers defense they rank number two in yards and number two in yards per attempt. This is going to be a battle up front. And if I'm if I'm the Steelers, I'm going after I'm going after the run game, taking Kareem Hunt out of the equation, and I'm playing disciplined football on the on, you know in in my secondary. I'm not going to be as aggressive a little bit, but I do think you're going to see a lot of Mike Hilton the way that he loves to just line up on the outside, back off, look like a linebacker, and then rush in at the last second, his timing is going to be key in this game. And he may be five foot eight and tiny, and everyone underestimates him because of that. But when he gets in your grill, I've seen this man topple over Travis Kelsey. I've seen him beat up. He was beating up on Zach Ertz on a few plays last week. That's where the Steelers have to be able to win. Win those trench wars. Keep the, the the Browns in the third and eight, third and nine, thirds and tens. Yes, Carson Wentz converted a lot of those last week. But this secondary is, is continuing to tighten up. They're continuing to understand, okay, this is what we're good at this year. This is how we're going to back this person up. And I, I can really see um, this, this Steelers defense being able to say, all right, if you want to run the ball, that's fine. You might get a few plays off here and there. But you're not going to just run the ball down our throats the entire game. And Baker Mayfield is going to have to beat us with, with his arm um, and put up some serious points. Um, and, and like you said, I think this is going to be a big trench war on both sides of the ball. You know, the, the Steelers offensive line, they've been hurt up this year a lot. Uh, David DeCasher looks like he might miss this game. But Kevin Dotson, the rookie, the fourth round draft pick, has been phenomenal yep. at, at his spot uh Takuma Okorafor the guy who stepped in at right tackle has been phenomenal he uh in his time I went back through all of J.J. Watt's career and he lined up against J.J. Watt uh consistently in that Texans game since his second year in the league J.J. Watt had had only three out of like 96 games where he didn't record a tackle for loss or a quarterback hit and that number went to four when he lined up against Okorafor and I think there's some really good offensive lines that are going to that work. That's going to be happening in this game. And they're against very athletic defensive lines in this game that this is going to be like, you know, those classic NFL films games where they play that music with the Barry sacks and everyone's getting excited. Cause it's just boom. And it's just, it's, it's physical and people are are hitting all over the place. That's where the Steelers need to be able to win there, win there. And then force, Hey, you know what Odell, you know, they faced him several times now when he was with the giants, when he was with the Browns, they know what he's about. They know what Jarvis Landry's about. They don't need to adjust too much to anything with that. They just need to play within themselves. And if they win the run game, I think that they'll be familiar with how to challenge those guys. Uh, and we'll, we'll see where that leads to.
1: We're going to get to some more thoughts here as we hit our third segment. Um, you know, as far as you know, things that Chris and I think each team is going to need to do, whether or not they are going to be able to come out with a W here. Um, look, in all this time now with COVID, everybody a little stressed financially. Um, YouTube's available. Um, you need to do some car service. Chris is going to let you know exactly how you can do this. Maybe save yourself a boatload of money while doing it. Absolutely. And that's at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different tiers
0: of professional mechanics for do for it do- yourselfers But- Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market be- will bear, like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Well, why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Don't do that. Go to rockauto.com today, right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you get there, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com That's just my separator. All right, we're back here on Crossover Thursday. I'm Chris Carter from the Locked On Steelers. He's Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns. Jeff, my mind, my buddy, my man, we got to talk about specific matchups in this game. We have talked about what both teams are doing well, what both teams' feared weaknesses could be. But we got to get to these predictions. And I want both of us to pick a key matchup that we think will be either an advantage or disadvantage that, that has the turning point of this game. I know we talked about the trenches, but maybe specific players – um, that 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 will be play, playing into this game. I wanted to give you the first shot on this. Who are some of the guys that are popping up for the Browns right now that you think you're really interested to see how they play against specific Steelers?
1: Look, um, this current structure of the front office, they're not the ones that brought Odell Beckham Jr. in. But there's a reason Odell Beckham Jr. is here for this team. It's games like this. And yep. um, they still won last week. Um, and that was the thing with Nick Chubb you know, leaving the Dallas game early, you know, Odell got to feel like he was Odell Beckham Jr. again. And as we discussed, whether it's Joe Hayden, whether it's Steven Nelson, look, um, I, I think that secondary for Pittsburgh plays better as a group than they do the individual parts, so to speak. Um, and anybody question and make offense, Patrick, y'all crazy on that front. I'm going to tell you that right now, but you look at Odell, this is, you know, stars are supposed to be stars and you need them in key situations um, does any of this secondary, other than McKnight Fitzpatrick, keep you up at night? No, they probably don't. Even though Edmonds is improving, this is one where you need Odell, and you know three touchdowns against Dallas. You, you need a you know eight to ten, hundred and thirty, two scores. Um, I think there's a possibility those matchups are there, and I was just going to give this as well, Coach Stefanski, and he did admit this week that as far as where Baker is becoming less of a quarterback in the second half, third quarter, fourth quarter specifically. Some of that's on him. Baker's got a His motor runs hot. And this is part of the issue where the Browns are now winning games, which has never happened before. So there's prevent offense and there's prevent defense. Prevent defense, they're not good at. It. They've never done it. Prevent office, offense, they're learning this on the fly. But you can't shut Baker down for a drive and then expect him, oh, no, things didn't go like we expected. We punted. The other team scored. Now we got to fire it up again. There's still got to be some pass plays called, and very similar to the Tennessee Titans. This offense is very similar. You see some simple plays where you keep your quarterback going. You, know, you give a run look. Quick tight end dump screen where he goes up the center gap for yards. You can't shut Baker down, and that's something they've been guilty of, And like when Baker, the car goes in park, it doesn't seem to get out of it. And that's something they cannot do. And even if the running game seems to be going well, still keep Baker involved. Because if you're going to need him and for this game to work out, probably in the Browns' favor, it's going to be a shootout. I mean, I don't want to say high scoring when I say shootout, but it's going to be, it'll go on third quarter, maybe in the fourth quarter. So you can't have him feeling like, you know, he's rested on his laurels and the day is over. He's got to still be involved because you want him feeling the flow, being ready to go later in the game in that standpoint. But it, it, this is – you look – and look, Kareem Hump has been fantastic this year. And obviously the workload is picking up while Nick Chubb is out. Um, you know, he's, he played well against – you know, in both Steeler games last year. That's fine. But you need more. I mean, you're going to battles here now against a good team, you can't just have one way to do it. And you look at 13, you know what he's capable of. Now that he's healthy, after the hernia surgery, you want to see, you know, the Odell Beckham Jr. that everybody's kind of grew accustomed to. And you, you want to have that top five, top 10 wide receiver label in the NFL. This is one where he's needed. And you find a way to, you know, get him to hopefully, and there's been a lot of instances, week one against Baltimore, he was a lot more open you know, that he got targets for him. The flipping the script here, Chris, um, and it's going to be interesting because you, every part, uh, you know, of the Browns, there's been you know, some highs and lows, even though they're far and one, There's been highs and lows, you know, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball, each positional group except for maybe the offensive line has, you know, towed the line right now and then every now and then maybe not, you know, been an issue. What, what's the key here for Pittsburgh? You know, what do you think Pittsburgh can do? Needs to do, will do.
0: I think a lot of this rests on Ben Roethlisberger. And I know that sounds cheap to say, but hear me out. When you're going, when you're looking at the way the Steelers have played, the way they've moved the ball, Ben Roethlisberger has been efficient with it. He's not putting up, you know, 400 yards a game. He's putting up, you know, around 250, three touchdowns, two touchdowns, making sure that drives finish. And, and, and making the smart moves. He's making the smart calls on the field. You know, they're, in, they're involving more jet sweeps. They're involving different looks, and he's seeing where, how those different looks play well for his team and against different setups. A lot of this is going to depend on, you know, that, that, that Cleveland defensive front. They're physical, and they're going up against a team without its best offensive lineman, and David DiCastro, most likely, uh, because, again, rookie Kevin Dotson will be there. And I think Dotson can hold his own in this game. But how you make sure it doesn't even matter that much is by coming out being efficient with the football and pick at the weaknesses in this defense attack the middle of the field where Mac Wilson hasn't been able to find himself attack those linebackers in the middle of the field. That's something that they did. They really did to the Eagles. They, you know, I thought that they were going to come on and hit Eric Ebron a lot over the middle, but it was chase Claypool. They kept, they kept lining up in different spots and whether it was a slant, whether it was a drag, whether it was just a seam route right through the middle of the defense, he was saying, okay, your safeties are going to have to beat him. And, while you're also beating him, you got you can't forget about Juju this way, or Deontay that way, or Ebron this way, or James Washington hitting a seam route because he's he's still good for a, a big play. He had a huge touchdown early in the season against the Giants. Um, And then again, you still got to account for James Conner in the ground game. But a lot of this will will come when Ben Roethlisberger, if he's just consistently moving the football and forcing the the Browns defense to stay on the field, especially early with some longer drives and maybe hit some no huddle to say, okay, you guys got to keep your feet moving to keep up with with the Steelers. That's how he slows them down. And then when you get to the fourth quarter – if it's if it's crunch time and you need to decide to sort of sit back on some plays and make some throws down the field, now maybe that defensive front is a little more tired because they've been out there for 60, you know, 65 plays because of the longer drive, and now they're sitting there like, okay, gosh, they're, they're in the no-huddle. We gotta we gotta get to these guys. But your offensive line, they've been in the groove. They found it. I think this is all about Ben Roethlisberger's efficiency again. The Browns 12 fourth turnovers this year. Miles uh, Garrett has three. Forced fumbles. Uh, they've, they, they, they've got interceptions this year. If the Steelers avoid that, stay on the field, only go off on the field on their terms. Like, hey, you know what? You you got us on second down. We're gonna check down here on third down and just punt the ball, and you're gonna have to beat our defense. But capitalize on their opportunities. Be efficient with the football. Get you know get those those four touchdowns that, they, that they've been that they've been getting around the last few games. I think that that's how you neutralize the Browns' strengths and then test the rest of them their defense to say hey you guys got to win a game for them and not miles garrett in that defensive front.
1: Oh no couldn't 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 agree more and you know it's it's you know big games like this you know you're going to point the fingers to the stars yeah. and this is what they're paid the big money to do. Chris I guess um, we'll start with you. I guess we got to do some predictions. It wouldn't be crossover without it. You can't do can't do crossover without predictions. That's crazy talk. Um, I'm gonna stick with the
0: Steelers in this one. They're at home. Uh, the Browns haven't won at Heinz Field since 2003. Um, I think that the uh, that, that that they're gonna come in here with a with a feisty spirit, and this is gonna be a tough one. Uh, But I got the Steelers winning 31-23. I think Ben Roethlisberger does what I'm talking about. He moves the ball efficiently. I think Baker Mayfield and the offense for the Browns, they put up some points early. But in that that third and fourth quarter, you see that separation coming. You see Ben Roethlisberger not make mistakes. And then I think you see Baker Mayfield maybe get a little bit desperate and make some passes he shouldn't have. Um, or hold on to the ball a little longer than he should have, and that's what allows T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, and don't overlook Stephon Tuitt. That guy is balling right right now for the Steelers. Defensively, he is yep. crushing people. He's coming in. He had a huge sack on Carson Wentz that flipped the game around. He has three and a half sacks through four games as a de- as a defensive tackle. That's uh, watch out for him and Cam Hayward. You already know about Cam Hayward, but but uh, Stephon Tuitt. Is really playing well this year. If he stays healthy, I think it's a problem. But I'm going 31-23. Um, you know, I, I you know I bring this up that they, the the Browns they may be going in the right direction. But this if they were to win at Heinz Field, it'll be the first time since Tommy Maddox was starting for this team for the for the Steelers at quarterback way back in 2003. <laughs> and there have been there have been more there have been 13 high school football teams to win more games at Heinz Field than the Cleveland Browns over over the past 20 years. I have a hard. I think it's, I can see this the, these teams splitting at some, you know, later in the year. I just don't know if it's going to come with the Browns getting their first win in 17 years at Heinz Field.
1: Uh, look for me. I, I think, and like I mentioned earlier, I think this is the perfect time for this type of test. Look, it's been four wins in a row. You, you and you're really feeling good about yourself after throwing up a sixer week one at yep. the Baltimore Ravens. And this is probably beneficial to the Browns where you start with, with, you know, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, your first games on on the road. You know, look, I'll say, I'll give you a prediction that they're going to win. My level of confidence, look, you know, I went against all Cleveland media against Dallas and said they were going to win this game. I went, I said, they were going to win this Colts game. You know, in my heart of hearts, do I hope they win? I, I, I think if they continue with Playing strong and putting together sequences of the defense, of the offense, you know, point score, defense, look, bending but not breaking, but then giving you turnovers, which we'll see if happens in a week like this against you know, so fantasy, Jeff, and the, the love for lockdown Browns and for all my listeners, you know, Browns 33, 31, because it would be a nail biter. But you know, I I think just the factual mind in me thinks. It's maybe not that they're not ready yet. It's maybe more that it's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a lot easier in what they are right now, even because even if they were limited. Look, bringing Ben back alone just makes a tremendous difference from the product they were running out in 2019, even if it was a limited offseason. But what I want to see is I want to see what I've seen for the last four weeks. I want to see the Browns involved in 60 minutes. It doesn't necessarily matter if it's a win or a loss even if they walk out of there with four and two, but they went round for round, blow for blow with one of the bullies of their division and to try to show this team that, look, this time is really, really different. We've tried to fake it. We've tried to pretend it in years past, but you want to believe that this year it's really, really different. And I do believe it with this coaching staff. I do believe it with this roster. You know, the absolute football guy in me says, you know, maybe just a little bit short, but I do see some possibilities. If you can do like we discussed earlier with Odell consistently run the ball and it's going to come down to, you know, Ken Baker, get the ball off. Does he not get those shots from Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, vice versa. And then there's also this part of me that's like 1980s Jeff, where this game could be ugly as sin, Chris, and have like a 17, 16 feel to it. Because these defenses, you know, were able to do some things. And these defensive lines were able to have a good day.
0: I, I, I agree with you, buddy. It could be a really – this could go a lot of different ways, but that's what makes this an exciting game to talk about. It's one of my games of the week. Uh, you just eat while looking all around. We talked about it on the Locked On NFL podcast. Jeff, my man, it's so great to do a show with you again, my friend. Let people know where they can, where they can follow you and find more of everything you do.
1: You know, obviously the Locked on Browns, you know, podcast, iTunes, Spotify, the Locked on Browns Twitter account. I always keep it a follow-back account. It's just the easiest way. DMs are open to get back and forth with your fans. I, look, I mean, you guys, you'll know, find a way to put up with Chris and I for two and a half to three hours a week. The least we can do is find some way to give back as much as we can to you. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Again, DMs are open there. Uh, I understand everybody's not huge on social media and prefer to do some things in privacy which is fine. I try to do my best to get back to everybody there. Uh, Chris, likewise, you know, for the Browns listeners, because if it doesn't go your way, Chris, I'm sure <laughs> you're going to – because no, last like week all the time. when I spoke with Evan Cidieri, um for the preview on Locked On Thursday, he mentioned about how DeForest Buckner was playing like the best defensive lineman in the AFC. After Miles Garrett had a great Sunday – um, everybody wanted to know where Evan he was again in Evan. We love you, man. We're all family here. Um, so they were kind of interesting in that standpoint. So Chris, they may want to come find you on Sunday. If this does go Cleveland's way, big guy.
0: Hey, it happens, man. I, I welcome all comers. Uh, um but you guys if you want to do that follow follow me on twitter i'm at carter critiques if you follow me i'll follow you back hopefully at dms i'm always down to chat with people thanks for doing that uh if you want to join the locked on steelers facebook group you can go on facebook search locked on steelers ask to join the group i'll add you as soon as possible we're about 700 strong right now um so uh so yeah join join us there we got a lot of loyal steelers fans that are in that group and it's a fun conversation and a very friendly group uh, that, that that we get that we get along in there. Um, and hey, if you're loving both this crossover Thursday, help both of our shows out. You can go to Apple Podcasts right now, look up Lockdown Browns, Lockdown Steelers, give both of us five stars. And when you do, give give us positive comments with the five stars. That shows up. It helps both of us get the word out about what our shows are doing, and it gets the word that says, hey, you know what? What they're doing here is some great stuff here. So Steelers fans, help out help out Jeff with the Browns. Brown fans, help me out too. I I, I could be you got to. So thanks so much, Jeff, for being on the show. We'll both be backing you in your ears. For- and just
1: one just one thing before we close. Sure. My Browns listeners, as much as you guys hate the Steelers, and Chris understands yeah. as much as the Steelers hate the Browns, Chris, it, it, it's hard. I can't dislike Chris. I mean, because you guys know me, how fast I talk, how excited I get. Chris matches this on the yeah. other side here. Um, and look, we're both thrilled to be able to do this. Um, and I'll tell you right now, yeah, you know, Steelers, yeah. Nobody likes it, whatever. Chris is just definitely not a dude you can dislike. He is just a really, really good dude. And I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode.
0: Same, same to you, Jeff. Jeff's great. This is why people people think that we hate each other here on these, like, oh, you're supposed to hate the Browns guy. And I'm like, no, we're we're, we're football guys. We talk, we love talking ball and putting on these great shows. Amen. So, Jeff, again, thanks for doing the show with you. Tune in tomorrow. He's got he's gonna get you set up for the win, and So am I unlocked on, on Steelers. Jeff, it's going to be a fun one. I'll, I'll see you later this season when we do, the, the, we do preview for Crossover Thursday when the Steelers visit the Browns.
1: All the best, Chris. You know that.